G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, good to catch up with Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia, who's across some of the big issues that are around this week in the media and some significant things have come to light. A special welcome back to 2020 to you, Charles Newington. Good morning. Thank you very much, Neil. Charles, let's talk about this terminology which is really catching a hold, and that is the idea of climate anxiety, because there's been some significant things this week. Uh, The young Swedish girl Greta Thunberg, who's used all sorts of very, very emotive terminology in her speech to the United Nations Climate Summit when she said you've stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words and we're at the beginning of a mass extinction. Uh, Charles, climate anxiety that's coming from this sort of emotive language. Yes, it it is. You know, they've been using the language of climate change and then it shifted from climate change to climate crisis. And then when we see the tone in which the crisis is being cultivated, that tone is inevitably one of anxiety and anger. And there are serious issues. There's no doubt about it. There are serious issues to be considered. Uh, I think that what we have to try to do here, though, is try to find some way of managing issues of extreme seriousness with... um, with careful language when it comes to emotion. What are your thoughts, Charles, given that Greta is a 16-year-old girl? Nobody wants to argue with a 16-year-old child. Uh, If she was an adult, people would perhaps not be so kind, but there is a certain generational uh, disconnect here too. What are your thoughts about one generation being pitted against another and uh, perhaps she's just a pawn in the game? Well, I think that that's very likely. It's. Uh, I think it should be assumed. And I, I don't think it should necessarily be assumed that everybody who's using her is using her in a malicious way. But uh, this is just the nature of life. And, and you know, I, I've been thinking about this against the background of other moments in human history where there has been a sense of crisis or imminent crisis. And uh, you may remember... Things like stories of people like Joan of Arc, you know, where a, a young woman comes onto the scene that seems to have a kind of a, a almost supernatural um, enabling, and uh, and then there's the stories of the of the children's crusades, you know, where they they thought that perhaps through that action of their innocence or whatever they would be able to change the course of history. It landed and ended in a terrible, terrible disaster. But here we find another situation where we're facing this um, this global situation, this this climate change issue, and and in order to effect change and in order to get people's attention, um, somebody is using this kind of mechanism, you know, emotional mechanism of 
of kind of giving somebody a kind of an, an, an almost messianic status. And um, as you say, the, the, the tendency is for people not to not to take a punt at it. And the tragedy is that one of the things that's happening here is that the generations are kind of becoming, again, targeted and divided by by the use of Greta in the way that, that they have. You've got this anxiety, and along with that, as we said, you've got this anger. So the polarising of two extremes, and really you've got, unless you are a uh, on-board left-wing climate warrior, then you are somehow or other a climate denier. Uh, yet people who are on the other extreme are saying, hang on a second, uh, don't tar me with that brush. There's no room for middle ground here. What are your thoughts about the question of global warming and is it human-induced or what about all the other factors that don't seem to be able to be discussed openly because of this whole name-calling that goes on if you're not on the side that one side prefers? Yes, that's, again, another factor that uh, that science and reason are being overridden here with, with emotion. And I was just reading an article uh, about this mass extinction story that um they feel that that the that the amount of um, what we might call um the reduction in the population of various species is so uh, radical this by their measurements it's so radical that it, that it warrants this kind of very emotive language it's as if normal scientific language just doesn't cut it anymore people are immune to it what what they need is somebody shouting at them you know they need somebody really in their face showing passion, showing a sense of the urgency of the time and, and this justifies uh, and this justifies this emotion. Uh, but but the, the thing is, the reason of the anxiety, how the anxiety transforms into anger is that we see, um, you know, or things are portrayed in the, in the climate and uh, that suggests that there is a radical climate change and if this rate continues, you know, we'll all either be freezing or boiling. That anxiety translates again into well who's to blame for this and what's happening is of course the only people that are in the room to blame are people that are not young <laughs> you know yeah. all the young people are on one side and everybody who's not young they must be on the other side and they must be responsible for this and how that all plays out is it's it's not just playing out in marches and um, protests but it's playing out over dining room tables and in the separation of um, of family members and uh, and it and it, it's no longer just anxiety. It's now targeted. That anxiety is being targeted at the people that are being held responsible. Even some news outlets and uh, the one called the Conversation uh, taking a position here where they will silence voices who are not on the same page. Uh, for climate change, I guess there's a question over uh, what's good journalism here, but uh, but everyone's taking sides, whether it's a, a political uh, side or whether it's in the media, people are taking sides and it's one being cast against another. Yes, I'm of the view that we've, we've had a, a strategy that's being targeted directly at, um, you know, the Western democracies, particularly the democracies that have got a strong Judeo-Christian ethic. And I feel that there's what I call wedge politics going on in a large global scale. And uh, here's a, another example where we have to work together. We, we do have to see the urgency of whether it's this or, or, or whatever other 
pandemic or whatever other issue that we face as, as a human family. And um, we have to work together. We can't, we can't turn this into an us-against-them type, type scenario because it doesn't make it better. It, 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 it's, uh, it makes it worse because we disenfranchise a great section of the population of the world and, and uh, we land up hating each other and, and killing each other in the process. And I, I think that it will then feed into all kinds of innuendos and assumptions that we really shouldn't, we shouldn't pursue. So I think, um, you know, I, I'm sort of encouraging people to, to recognise, uh, uh, you know, your listeners, our listeners, to recognise that um, whether we like it or not, there are impacts upon the cli- of the climate upon human population and, and some of this is because of the, 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 the size of the human population these days and the way in which we've got um, habitation taking place in areas that used to not have habitation but now we've got, you know, we've got thousands and millions of people living in in uh, um, in the, in that alleyway, you know, the, the 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 tornado alleyway in the U.S. and towns that didn't used to be there are there now, and these tornadoes just go through there and just rip up those towns, and it and it looks like the weather is worse, and to some degree, of course, it is worse, but it's amplified by the fact that there didn't used to be a town there, but there is one now. And, and this sort of thing is happening um, uh, on a larger and larger scale. So the impacts of climate change are certainly being amplified. Well, there's a constant flow into the news cycle of all sorts of disasters that are being blamed on climate change. As you say, populations grow, uh, people spread out into places where they weren't before, and some people are establishing themselves in more dangerous places, and therefore they're open to the elements. Uh, What is at play, though, here, Charles, is the idea of agendas and uh, this idea of blaming the developed world for not providing the billions of dollars to compensate for uh, what's happening in poorer nations. Uh, what are your thoughts on the major issue and the uh, the way that agendas here are at play? And uh, some of those agendas are pretty scary. They are scary. And, you know, I think that the, the one of the reasons why they're scary is that uh, the greatest danger to truth is half-truth. You know, it's not... It's not that there isn't some truth in what's being said. Uh, one of the primary sort of political agendas here is that the uh, the consequences of climate change are falling upon the poorer nations, and the poorer nations are typically former colonial nations, and uh, the colonies sort of plundered them, took their wealth, and took their so much of their opportunity out of the uh, you know uh, out of them, and and set it up to the to the industrialising north or whatever you know Europe, and as such. Um, you know, we've got this great economic imbalance and now when climate change starts to happen, the people that are most vulnerable are the people that carry the historical victimhood of, of, of the colonial era. And so, so the, the rich countries that colonise them must pay for this. And so in one sense, you know, you can see that how this really builds a narrative of, of, of a great ethic. You know, this is a grand narrative of justice on a global scale. But on, on the other hand, um, you know, it, it, it's not deeply studied analysis. Um, and, um, and so we've always got to be careful because it gets so loaded with emotion that, um, you know, the, the analysis doesn't matter anymore. It's the emotion that's driving the change. And that's what's happening with this, um, this climate crisis uh, mentality and attitude. It's driving 
deep political and social change. And um, and we kind of need to know where that's going. And that's going to require a lot of uh, a, a lot of calm, considered, sensible, hard science and careful thinking. So um, my point here is that, that this is not going away. It's an issue that's not going away. It's going to be, it's a compelling narrative. It's driving change globally. And here in Australia, we're going to see more marches. We're going to hear more examples of, of how climate change is 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 throwing up political injustices and things like that and economic injustices. Some people will say uh, we're past tipping point. It's too late to have a level head and uh, talk about these things on a evidence level. Uh, the anxiety and the anger is already boiling over and it's affecting the behaviour of people. I mean, you might have heard yes. uh, those stories of recent times. People are saying, oh, we're not going to have children because we don't want our yeah. children growing up in a time of climate crisis or uh, we're not going to go to university, we're not going to study. Uh, even the idea of uh, people taking out their angry outbursts in their schools, school shootings being blamed on uh, the sort of anxiety around uh, climate anxiety. Uh, these sorts of things are already here, aren't they? Yes, they are. And, and I think, you know, I, I, I'm not a psychologist, but I, I observe, uh, you know, the, that people talk about this, this what they might call a kind of a non-specific anxiety where people really can't put their finger on why it is they feel so wound up. Uh, so on the edge, you know. But um, but one of the reasons for it is because there are these grand narratives of anxiety that are just constantly in the background. They're sort of saying, you know, we're we're closer to the edge than we used to be five minutes ago. That kind of thing. Just it just has this wind up uh, tendency, and and I think we see it, don't we? You know, we've been talking about road rage or whatever, all that sort of thing, because people don't seem to be able to manage their emotion. They all seem to be living so close to the very edge. Of their emotional capacities, and and uh, once again, for us as as a <clears throat> as people who place their confidence and look to, in God and look to God for our calmness and for our uh, our faith, <clears throat> this is so relevant for us. And it's not just for us; it's that society needs people who have got inner strength, that have got resilience, that have got a confidence that of their term, that in spite of everything that seems to be falling apart. That, that God is on his throne and that um, that he's got a way for us and we can look to him with confidence. Everybody needs that. You know, in, in all societies we need that because uh, more and more people are, are at, they're at their personal tipping point. Charles, bring this down to where the rubber hits the road in the typical family for a few moments. Uh, the sorts of things that parents might be communicating with their children around the dinner table uh, or in those times when they have an opportunity to have some sort of meaningful conversation. How do you think parents ought to be relating to their children what's happening so that their children are not affected so greatly by this, what we're calling climate anxiety? I think the first thing is don't take it personally. You know, when when if your children take a position or somebody else in your in your friendship group takes a position that seems to be, you know, cussing baby boomers or whatever, um, uh, just don't take it personally. Understand that that um, that this is just people finding trying to find a new way of of expressing their. Uh, their 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 anxieties expressing themselves and they they're not quite sure how to do it you know I, I watch my grandchildren learning 
the language of um, of the of their heart. You know, how do they describe how they feel? Because this feeling is relatively new to them, and they just don't have the words to match it. And so I ask people to in the family if if these sorts of things get a bit polarised, um, don't take it personally, and try to um, deal, um, try to build understanding, work to understanding, to understand them, and uh, and then let them understand you. And uh, we can learn a lot from each other at this time and, and strengthen strengthen the family wherever there's wherever there's tension. Actually, that's we can see tension as creative because it gives us. It sort of brings unspoken things to a head and gives us an opportunity to deal with things that actually were under the surface and haven't been dealt with. If they come, we can deal with them. Good insights as always. Charles Newington, the National Director of Family Voice Australia. Let me point people to the Family Voice website, familyvoice.org.au. Charles Newington, great to talk to you once again. Thanks so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with listeners today on 2020. Oh, thank you very much, Neil. It's a privilege. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.